The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. It happened that as Jesus was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, Who do the people say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah, and others that one of the old prophets has risen. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. But he charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. The Gospel of the Lord. So we've had this account uh, several times over the last few months, uh, looking into uh, what is tied in Matthew's Gospel is then the establishment of the church upon, upon Peter. Um, and what the Lord is doing is he is beginning and building this house. And so what we have in the first reading, which is uh, that the Lord promises through his prophet that the latter glory of the house will be greater than the former. And so the house that the Lord will build, this new temple, this new house of God, which is his church, but also even the individual members of the church, because by grace we all become temples of the Holy Spirit, houses of God. God dwells within us, and there is a greater glory than anything that has ever come before, because we have in reality the grace and the life of God within our souls, and the church is established on the mystery of Christ and his passion and death, and it is a far greater glory than anything that has ever come before. And the glory of the house of God, of the church, the saints, will be, when we see it in eternity, again, that overwhelming, ecstatic glory of the saints. And this is all what the Lord is beginning here. But the way in which we arrive at that glory is through the cross and through the passion. And so, just to kind of maybe look at a few different aspects of this gospel passage than what we've looked at previously, uh, the one I would just like to focus on that first line, uh, that is, it says, as it happened, Jesus was praying alone and the disciples were with him. That sentence has troubled a lot of commentators for a long time in the church, which is, how do you say that Jesus was alone and his disciples were with him? The sentence doesn't seem to make sense, and so they're trying to look at, well, what is the deeper meaning here? And so we will look at that, and then we will also look at uh, what the Lord is doing when he turns them uh, to focus on what is coming in terms of his suffering, but also his resurrection, and that he begins that process in them. He, he founds them in confidence upon who he is, and that is what then can give them confidence to go forward into the passion, right? And so that first line then, it happened that as Jesus was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And this is the mystery of the incarnation, that in Christ we have both his divine nature and his human nature. There is in his divine nature, which a lot of the commentators say is what is represented by Jesus praying alone. 
There is this divine nature in Christ where he is truly alone with the Father from all eternity. And it is this divine nature that he gives us access to through his human nature. And so in this sentence, what the church fathers and even modern commentators see is the beautiful mystery of the incarnation. The fact that this divinity, this God alone, this God that has no need of anything else, and yet in his love, his love pours out in creation, and he creates creatures that he invites into a participation in his own life. And that is extended to us through this fact that he is also with his disciples, which is his human nature. And so he is able to be with us in such a particular and beautiful way. And the reason for his incarnation is that he might draw us all to himself and give us a participation in this beautiful aloneness, as one of the commentators says, this beautiful aloneness that he has with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And that's what we are called to. That is our final destination in eternity, is to be taken up into the divinity of God, to share his life in that ecstatic union of love with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so this aloneness we are called to, this mystery of the Trinity, and the way in which we come to that life in the Trinity is through the incarnation in Christ. But be, to be brought into Christ is also through his passion and death. And so this great mystery then is we are able to enter into it only through his suffering. And so what the Lord does then is immediately turns his disciples' attention to the passion, his death, and his resurrection which is the way in which they will have access to him, which is the way in which we have access to the divinity of God, the way in which we are able to participate in that life of God. And so what the Lord does prior to the passion, because again, the passion is a scandal to them. It is something that is hard to bear. Suffering is always hard to bear. And impending suffering is also something which can cause fear and panic in the heart. And so we know what's happened just before this is John the Baptist has been killed. Herod has also been caught up in some of the confusion about Christ. But this, confu this confusion we can see is not only in the person of Herod. It's become cultural, right? It's become, it's in a certain sense, spread out into all the people. And so the Lord wants to correct this confusion. And so he says to his apostles, who do men say that I am? So he draws out all of the accumulation of errors, and what he does is gives the true confession of who he is through his vicar, through Peter, whom he establishes as the, his vicar on earth. And it is that through Peter then we have that profession of Christ as the Christ of God. And what Peter proclaims there is also very important. Christ is not simply one of the anointed of God, Right, Aaron in the Old Testament, he was anointed as priest, and then all of the priests were anointed after him. And then also the kings were anointed when Saul was anointed by the prophet Samuel. And then all of the kings after Saul were also anointed. So you have other individuals who have been anointed by God, meaning being set aside for a particular purpose, for God's will. And what you have in Christ, though, is not simply one of the anointed. He is the Christ of God, the anointed. He is the one sole son of the heavenly father, the anointed Messiah. But what it is to be Messiah must also be understood by the people. 
And so the Lord commands them, say nothing until after the passion, the death, and the resurrection. Because in order to understand properly what and who the Messiah is, you have to see it in the light of the passion and the death and the resurrection. The Messiah, the anointed of the Father, is the one who comes and offers his life for the salvation of sinners. He is the one who comes and gives his life so that we might have life. He is the one who comes and suffers and dies so that we might live for eternity. And so the Lord is giving and inviting his disciples into this mystery, not only the mystery of his truth, but also the mystery of his life. And he will bring them into himself so that he may eventually bring them and us and all the generations who come after in the church into his own life by grace so that we might enter into that great aloneness with him and the Father and the Holy Spirit for all eternity. Amen.